Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry. Someone say, don't worry. I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than, there's more to life than what people are pursuing. There's more to life than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? In case if that's your your ace in the whole scripture saying, you know, I don't need to work. You know, God just take care of everything. First Timothy 5, 8 is a good memory verse for you. If any provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he's denied the faith is worse than infidel. But that's just the Bible, you know. Don't take that too serious. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus continues to say, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Think about all your worries, everything that weighs on you. Is that going to add to your life? It's not going to add to your life. In fact, more stress, more anxiety, more worry, more fear is actually going to take away from your life. In verse 28, and why worry? Why worry about your clothing? Think about that in the fashion industry, trying to make sure you got the nicest clothes, the newest fashion, got your Jordans, you got your your Louis Vuitton, your Gucci, your whatever. What are you worried about it? Don't worry about your clothing. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about all these things. Verse 29 says, Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. You think you look good, but God made nature, and nature looks better than us. And the Bible says that if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, you better believe that he'll take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? It's an honest question we could ask ourselves. We look around, and everything just seems to be taken care of. But yet we worry so much about ours. Verse 31, so Jesus says, don't worry about these things. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? And this verse is powerful. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. That type of thinking, that type of fear, that type of worry, that type of anxiety dominates the mind of someone who doesn't believe or doesn't have faith. But see, we have a heavenly father and he already knows all of your needs. Therefore, we seek the kingdom of God above all else. And we live righteously. We don't just seek an idea, but we live it out. We will live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. If you're lacking provision, it could be a lack of faith and it could be a lack of obedience. But if you have enough faith and if you're living righteously, God will take care of everything you need. And the last verse here. So don't worry about tomorrow. Someone say, don't worry. 
Tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I want to talk for the next couple moments about worship or worry. Worship or worry. When we talk about worry, and as Jesus addresses it here in Matthew chapter 6, we find out that worry robs the possibility of present joy. Living your life in that moment, your joy is robbed from you when worry is sitting on the throne of your mind, your thoughts. Worry is cousin or sister to fear. They're joined at the hip, and they're kind of a dynamic duo. They're a diabolical team that kills worship. When worry weighs on the mind, worry and fear are very close to each other, and they will rob someone of the present moment to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The spirit of worry, the spirit of fear is very heavy. It saps life out of you. It is draining And worry will let your mind fear tomorrow. Then it will kill you so you never see tomorrow. You're just living in worry about tomorrow, something that hasn't even happened yet. And you're living as if it did happen on the negative side. And when that is the prevailing or predominant thought, it can kill you so you never see the day that you thought about in such a negative manner. Hear me very closely. A worried soul is a wearied soul. The more worried you are, the more weary your soul will become. I've heard it once said that worry is worshiping the problem. When worry occupies thought after thought after thought, you're giving more focus to the problem than you are then to the solution. Therefore, we are directing worship in the wrong direction. I don't want to give all my attention, all my emotional energy and intellectual thought upon something that ought to be nothing in the sight of God. It says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Jesus is greater than anything our flesh can worry about. Someone say praise the Lord. This is important for a number of ways, but we go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12. The writer of Hebrews says, I want you to lift up the hands that are hanging down. I want your feeble, your weak walk, your weak stance to be strengthened, to be fortified, to be solidified. When worry is reigning in your mind, in your heart, in your thoughts, your hands are heavy. Your knees are feeble. They are weak. And therefore, we have to extract, we have to remove, we must be delivered from worry. Because if we are not delivered from worry, we'll never be able to have our hands lifted up that are hanging down. That may seem like just a mute point, but it's not to be overlooked. Because the lifting of hands holds great significance all throughout the word of God. I'm not going to go through every occasion where you find hands lifted up, 
but you're just going to have to trust me on this one. And if you don't trust me, just go ahead and do a word search about hands in the Bible. And you'll see time and time again the importance and the significance and the command of lifting of the hands and laying on of hands and the reaching of the hands. God only saved us by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And if God would put forth the effort to save us, we can put forth the effort to praise him. Amen. If you worry, you're weary. First Timothy two, eight says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. And he doesn't just say pray. He says, lift up those holy hands. These hands have power. These hands have significance. Just like your voice has significance, your hands have significance. The lifting of the hands is a surrender of oneself. To be guarded, you would keep your body covered with your hands. But to lift your hands up, you are exposing yourself. You are vulnerable. To lift up the hands or to stretch out the hands in a horizontal position is to open yourself up to somebody. You can only hug somebody if you open up. You got to open. Now, yes, you make yourself vulnerable. But in that vulnerability, there is an extension of trust. And there's a connection that creates relationship. It only comes from not guarding yourself in worry, but opening yourself. If you've ever dated, if you're married, you know it was a step of faith. You had to be vulnerable with that significant other. And so Paul told Timothy, listen. We must be a praying people, people that lift hands. And if you find people that do not pray, that do not lift their hands, somewhere embedded in their spirit is wrath. Somewhere embedded in their life is doubting. And if you worry, you're weary. Your hands are very telling. If you worship, you're renewed. If you worry, you're weary. But if we could ever lift up our hands... There is a renewing that takes place. There is a replenishing that takes place. There is a restoration that takes place. There is a recharge that takes place. When you open up, when you lift those hands, not only are you being vulnerable, but you are reaching out. You are trying to catch what is in the atmosphere, just like an antenna getting positioned to try to catch that wireless signal, that invisible presence that is out there. There is a an invisible presence. No man has seen God at any time and lived. But the Bible says you can happily feel after that God because he's near every single one of us. All you simply have to do is feel around. You just got to put those feelers out. You got to put that antenna up. You got to be open and say, God, I want to catch the signal. God, I want to catch, Lord, what you're trying to communicate to me. Worship is a combative agent to worry. If you want to defeat worry, you got to conquer worship. You got to learn to be a worshiper. Because a worshiper, when they are opening, when they are vulnerable, when they are beginning to trust and to step out and worship, God begins to fight the battle of worry that we'd like to try to win. Worship relinquishes worry and it renews your strength. 
Worry will clip the wings off of you. But worship will help you to rise and to mount up with wings as an eagle. See, when you open up your arms and you lift them up, you can catch the wind and the current that's going and moving. And God can cause you to rise up into heavenly places. You can soar with your hands up. You can soar with your arms out. You can soar when you reach out to the king of all kings. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? We have a choice every day. Will I worship or will I worry? In Psalm 24, verses 6 through 10, just a few weeks ago, we read from this portion of Scripture, but I feel inclined to read it again. This is the generation of them that seek him. I want to be that generation. I want to be the generation that is seeking him. I want to be the generation that is before the face of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to think on him. I want to think about him. And in verse 7, it says, this is that generation. That generation lifts up their heads, O ye gates. And that generation lifts up the everlasting doors. Now, this verse, it may not be as obvious in the archaic language of King James, but what it is saying, it is giving an imagery of a castle and the bars of that castle, the gate of that castle. It was not like the drawbridge. It was more like the up and down. Uh, um, it would go vertical. It would go up and down. Basically, they would release it with that pulley system and instantly the gate can close and no enemy can come in. It was more impenetrable. It was a fast, quick fix to try to put the guard up. And so the Bible says with the people of God, this generation that seeks him, they lift up the heads. They lift up the gates. Why? Because the king of glory enters into your fortification if you would just lift up the gates, if you would lift up the heads, if you would lift up those gates, the king of glory will come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord. And he's strong and he is mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. And it repeats it again. So lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Between that sandwich of repeated verses is the identification of the king of glory it is god almighty you got to know this god is mighty he is powerful he is full of strength and so the imagery that we are seeing in lifting up the heads lifting up the gates lifting up the everlasting doors it is a sign of faith that your king that is out there that is fighting has already won and because he is mighty and strong the battle is taken care of God has won. Therefore, I don't have to be in defense mode. I don't have to have my gates down in defense. I can lift up the gates and the king of glory would enter in. The imagery is the king returning in victory. While you're sitting here worrying, God's out there winning. You don't have to sit in worry. He's out there and he already won the battle. We sung the song. He has the victor's crown. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. Hallelujah. 
While we're worrying, he's busy winning. You're worried, but he's already won. So all you need to do is lift him up and let him in. He's already started the victory march. He's already started the victory procession. Look, his train, it fills the temple. That's not talking about Thomas the train or a choo-choo train. It's talking about his winning streak. He has a garment that is so long with victory that he's just walking towards your life. And he wants you by faith to stop with the guard and lift up the gates, lift up the heads, and the king of glory can sit on the throne of your heart and mind. Hallelujah. Oh, someone shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, if we would just lift up these gates, if we would lift him up and we would let him in, the king of glory would enter in. Why do you want that king of glory to enter in? I felt the Holy Ghost impressed in my heart. Just like, you know, the, this, this Bible describes this, this spirit of the living God as a river, not some pond, not some stagnant puddle, but a river, a river of life. And when you see that river in the visions of the prophets of old, everything that river touched came to life. And if we would just lift up our heads and lift up these gates and let the king of glory come in when that river is flowing inside of us, everything it touches comes to life. Worry is a killer. Worry is a destroyer. Fear is a murderer. Fear is a deceiver. But faith and praise and worship is a healing agent. It lets the river flow through your life and the healing can take place when you are open up to God, when you lift up your hands and when you lift up your voice, there is a healing that takes place inside of you. That worry and that fear is a cancer of your mind. It is a thief of your faith and it will stop you dead in your tracks from accomplishing anything significant for God. Let's lift our hands together. Can we lift up our voices just a little bit right now? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up ye everlasting doors. Come on, let the King of glory, let the King of glory enter those gates right now. Let the king of glory enter into that fortified wall of yours right now. Oh, come on. He's strong and mighty in battle. If you lift him up and let him in, you're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. God, I'll be vulnerable. God, I'll be trusting of you right now. Lord, I know I've guarded myself from hurt relationships in the past. God, I know I've had my defense mechanism up, God, from disappointment, Lord, of times gone by. But today, Jesus, I want to lift up these heads. I want to lift up these gates. I want to be lifted up these everlasting doors. King of glory, come in right now. King of glory, come in right now. King of glory, fill this place. Jesus, 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 why do you think there is such a pressure on you to worship? Why do you think the enemy fights your worship so hard? It's because he fears true worshipers. When Jesus came onto the scene and talked to that woman at the well, they were arguing about which building 
But Jesus is saying, look, no, you need to build true worship in your life. Don't worry about worship in what building. You be the building. You be the fortification that builds worship in your life. This woman has had, a, has had to have had her guard up after marriage failure, marriage failure, marriage failure, marriage failure. Now she's like on her 700th husband by now in this woman at the well scene. But Jesus talks to her about true worship. Of all the things he could have talked to her about, he talks about true worship. Out of all the discussions they could have had in theology and biblical concepts, he says, look, there's something God's looking for. God is looking for true worshipers. God's not looking for people to congregate together and worship a false doctrine, a false idea, and to feel good around people. You could be surrounded by a crowd and feel some sort of security because, you know, you kind of blend in with the masses, but you still got to deal with yourself when you go back home and you lay your head to bed. See, it doesn't matter about how many people are in this room right now. All that matters is if you would lift up your head, if you would lift up your gates, and if you would let the king of glory come in. That's all that matters, because if the king of glory has entered in your worship and in your praise worry flees fear goes everything comes out in your life that is killing you the enemy fights you so hard because he's afraid of true worship the enemy is afraid of spirit and of truth when you have spirit and truth together and there is spiritual worship true worship going on the enemy knows that he does not have a chance in winning against you at all because the king of glory enters into that realm hebrews chapter 13 verse 14 here right where we're at right now We have no continuing city. What that means is this place is not permanent. Worry doesn't have to be permanent. Fear doesn't have to be permanent. But no matter what's going on in your world today, it's not permanent. Because we're seeking that which is to come. And so in verse 15, it says, by him, therefore... We could do this because of Jesus. We can offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Someone say continually. See, this place is not permanent. Our praise is not based upon a temporary place. People that praise based upon circumstance are living in a temporary place. But if you're seeking the city that is to come, You offer the sacrifice of praise continually. Our praise is predicated upon an eternal home. And since we know what is coming eternally, let's begin to praise him continually. Knowing what is coming eternally ignites inside of me a passion and a drive to praise him continually. Look, I'm going to be found praising Every Sunday, I'm going to be found praising every Wednesday. I'm going to be found praising every time there's not a scheduled service. You're going to find me praising Jesus on Mondays. You're going to find me praising Jesus on Thursdays. You're going to find me praising Jesus on Fridays. And if you don't find me, I want you to know on a little secret. I'm praising Jesus. I'm finding him in the secret place of the most high. I abide under the shadow of the almighty as long. 
long as I'm praising Jesus, as long as I got my mind not fixed on this place, because I don't have a continuing place here on this earth. I seek a city to come. I have an eternal home. And because I have an eternal home, I have a continual praise. Oh, let's give him a high praise. Let's give Jesus a high praise. Hallelujah. 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 Let's clap our hands to the Lord. We look at this verse 15 in Hebrews 13. Let's offer the sacrifice of praise continually. What is this sacrifice of praise? It is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. A sacrifice of praise costs you something. And as we praise him, we use our words. We've already talked about using our hands. The lifting of the heads. The lifting of the gates. The lifting of these everlasting doors. Everlasting doors meaning this is going to be an ongoing thing. This is not a temporary thing. This is an everlasting thing. These are everlasting doors. These doors will be open from here to eternity. I'm determined to be a worshiper, not a worrier. I'm determined to be a praiser, not a powder. I'm determined to be lifting up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords every day of my life. Mm. We go on reading here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. And in the New Living Translation, it reads it like this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Always. Not just Sundays. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And Paul says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And I I love the way it is stated here in this translation. Verse six, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything anything. Pray about everything. See, the people that worry about everything, they post about their worry all across social media. But see, praying people don't post their problems online because they pray about everything. And they know when I bring my prayer to Jesus, I don't have to worry anymore. Into his hands, I've committed it. Into his, I don't gotta put my drama for the world to see because I take my stuff to the cross. I take my situations to Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. However big your present situation is, it's always good. We talked about this a, a month or two ago about that river flowing from the altar. And basically, finally, the angel, as they went from ankle deep to knee deep and kept walking down, the angel said, OK, turn around and look. And everything the river touched was healed. And so no matter how deep the waters are getting and no matter how fast the current is flowing, sometimes it's good just to look back and thank God for all that he has done to recharge your faith and to realize my current situation. 
situation is not too hard for God because if he did it before, he can do it again. The same God back then is the same God right now. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, to, he's still raising dead people. He's still opening deaf ears. He's still opening blinded eyes. He's still raising the dead. He's still transforming people. He's still healing the addicted. I'm telling you, God is able. Hallelujah. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And if you don't have much motivation, just just park it into thanksgiving. You may not feel like giving thanks, but you better recognize at all the things he done and start listing off every occasion and every battle that he won. And after about the 127th battle you list off that he won, you might start feeling a little motivated because God's got a track record. He's undefeated. He's never lost. He's never given up. He's never surrendered. He's never forfeited. We serve a victorious victorious God. So if you do this, stop worrying, start praying, stop worrying, start worshiping. Then you will. This is the promise in verse seven. You will experience God's peace. Not you might not. You maybe. you will experience God's peace. And it exceeds anything we can even comprehend or understand. And check this out. Here's what God's peace will do for you. His peace will guard your heart and mind. See, peace. See, we we think of peace as some like, you know, passive, weak, you know, uh, uh, pushover. But here it says his peace guards. His peace ain't passive. His peace is protecting. His peace. His peace is like a soldier going back and forth on watch on your heart every day, just kind of watching every day, just looking at any enemy that wants to come in. It's guarding your heart and your mind every day. The, your thoughts and your emotions that worry would like to try to get a full foothold in that would like to try to get a root in. Just start thanking God, start praying, start worshiping, and God will set some soldiers right there at the door of your heart. And you don't have to have defense down because God's presence and peace will guard you. You got your remember, We got the gates up. We got the doors lifted up. And so they only let the king of kings, the king of glory enter in. Not going to let no fleeting thought come into your heart and into your mind. Someone say amen. You'd experience it if you thank him for all he's done. Verse eight. I'm almost done here. I just got three verses left and we're done. Philippians four, eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. You're not worshiping because your thoughts aren't working. You got to fix your thoughts. They're broken. You're thinking on the wrong thing. You're thinking about the wrong thing. You got to set your thoughts on something that works. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is right. Fix your thoughts on what is pure. Fix your thoughts on what is lovely. Fix your thoughts on what is admirable. My wife has a practice, and I I like it. Basically, my wife hears more voices in her head than I do. And uh, me, I just kind of just wander around like just aimlessly. I just don't think about things. I just do things. My wife, she thinks about everything. I don't think about nothing. And so she basically, she'll have prevailing thoughts come into her mind. And so what she has to do is start voicing those thoughts. And I'm like, man, I'm a little worried. She's talking to herself in the kitchen. But what she's doing is she's, she's voicing them to let it be known how silly they sound. 
Because when you start voicing what the enemy says, it's like, that is so stupid. That is so dumb. That don't even make sense. God's more powerful than you, devil. I don't got to worry. Oh, is God going to feed my kids? I don't got to worry about that. Oh, is, is God going to take care of my soul? I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven. If you start voicing the down, you'll realize, man, that is so dumb. That is so messed up. I'm going to fix my thoughts and think about the things that are excellent and think about the things that are worthy of praise. Stop thinking about worry. There's going to be worry parked every single day down ahead of you, but don't worry about worry. Just worship and just begin to give him thanks and praise and think on the excellent things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so look, I might, I might have a leaking roof in my house. I might have mold in some of the ceilings in my house right now, but I'm not going to sit there and camp out and be depressed and worried about how it's all going to work out. I'm just going to think about, you know what? I got a house because God provided for it. I got a vehicle because God provided for it. I got health because God provided for it. I got, you got to think about the excellent things that God has done. You got to think about all the times Jesus Christ has come through in your world. I wonder if someone right now can think about giving him a praise. God, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, when the enemy fought my marriage, you came through. God, when the enemy attacked my children, you came through. God, when the enemy attacked the church, you came through. God, I give you a praise. God, I think on those things. Two more verses and we're done here. Verse 9, Philippians 4. Keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice. All that you have learned, everything you heard today, everything I've spoken to you today, receive it and keep putting it into practice. Well, I don't feel like praising God. Just keep putting it into practice. I don't feel like worshiping. Just keep putting it into practice. Man, I just don't know if I can make it. Just keep putting it into practice. All that you have learned. Then the God of peace will be with you. It's not about how you feel. It's about a predetermined mindset. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I don't care how I feel. I know who he is. I don't care what about this worry in this world right now. I choose to worship. Mm, I worship you, Jesus. 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 I worship Jesus regardless who shows up to church on Sunday. I worship Jesus regardless who backslides. I worship Jesus regardless who receives truth and who rejects truth. I worship Jesus regardless of everything because he is worthy of my praise. If you put this into practice, you'll shatter the problem when it's present. But you have to keep putting it into practice. Last verse and I'm done. Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah continued. He said, go and celebrate. Why? Because they stopped and pouted. You read the story. They're sitting there pouting. He says, don't stop and pout. Go and celebrate. Rich food, sweet drinks, share gifts, 
the people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. And here's why it tells them to celebrate, to worship. Because when you worship, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Worry is worshiping the problem. We are in a spiritual battle. You are a soldier. You are a warrior. And my pastor taught me warriors who do not worship are calloused from the battle. If all you ever do is fight and you never take a break to worship, you're going to have a hard heart. You're going to be a callous person. The only way you got, you got to put the sword down sometimes. You got to put the shield down sometimes. And you got to open up and worship. And when you worship, you don't have to worry about the enemy. Because God's going to set those guards at the post of your heart and mind. And in that moment while you're worshiping, now you could be distracted by fear in the situation and want to grab the sword right back up again and go back to fight because you're afraid the enemy's going to do something. But God says, no, just put the sword down and worship. I'll protect you while you worship. And I'll renew your strength while you worship. This is why you must be a worshiper. Because if all you do is think and all you do is worry and all you do is fear, you're going to be depleted, depleted, depleted. And you might look good doing it because you're doing, doing, doing. But you'll die doing it. But if you could ever just say, God, I'm going to trust you in this moment. And I'm not going to try to win the battle by doing my own thing. I'm just going to worship you. And as he gives you worship him, he will give you the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. My advice to us is don't worry. Worship. Worship until worry is drowned in the presence of God. Let's stand together. I could sit here. All of us have this gift. All of us can sit here and worry. All of us can do it. And every one of our worries, we may look at someone else and think, like, man, why are they worried about that? But then they look at you and they're like, why are they worried about that? <laughs> we all have a different area of worry. And someone else's worry may seem so trivial, trivial to you, but it's very significant to them. But don't worry. Worship. And worship until your worry is drowned by the presence of God. Because as you worship him, he comes. He's where you are at. And when he is there, no flesh, nothing that is anti-God will stand in his presence. Worry will be absorbed. Worry will be obliterated as you worship. I feel a call to worship. I'm not saying that you got to run, you got to jump, you got to dance, but if you feel to do it, you can. But I just feel a call that you find somewhere right now to lift up hands without wrath, to lift up hands without doubting, 
to lift up the hands that are hanging down and to strengthen those feeble knees right now. And as you begin to worship, the presence of God will come where you are at and your worry will be eradicated and drowned out in the presence of the great I am. I wonder if there can be a worship that begins to take place right now. Would you just lift up your hands and be vulnerable in the presence of a holy God right now? Come on, in the name of Jesus, just worship him. Just worship him. Don't worry. Just worship. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Into your hands, I commit it. Hallelujah. That's it.